0: An American family, the Shakurs and the nation they created. Author Santi Elijah Holly goes beyond the well-known figures Asada and Tupac Shakur and reveals the greater narrative of the Shakur family tree, which has roots that reach deep, deep into the history of the underground fight for freedom. When black liberation is the family business, with author Santi Elijah Holly, who joins us today. In In our third hour, two conversations. Up first, today is International Chess Day, and we will talk with one of the three black grandmasters in the world. You heard me right. Out of 1,700 grandmasters around the globe, there are only three black grandmasters on the planet. One of those three is Grandmaster Pontus Carlson, who joins us today at the top of our three. On the B side of our three, a conversation with the only African American physician specializing in facial plastic surgery, prominent surgeon, Dr. Carl Truesdale, who has a new venture he'll unveil for us on the back side of our three. We'll commence today's program in a moment, talking politics with the chief national political affairs analyst and host of a More Perfect Union on KBLA Talk 1580 here in LA, Dr. Need Cordelai Corte, when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Please to be joined today in this first hour by the Chief National Political Affairs Analyst and the host of A More Perfect Union on KBLA Talk 1580 here in L.A., Dr. Niquotala-Quarté. Uh, Niquotala, how are you today, sir? I'm well, Tavis. How are you? If I complained, I'd be an ingrate. You know me. I'm delighted to uh, to be here, delighted to, uh, to have you on today. Um, lots to talk about in this first hour. I, I think I want to do this first uh, in part because it seems that everybody else is talking about it. Um, I had to catch up on it. Um <laughs> I it, I am amazed oftentimes of the things that people tap into, mm-hmm. uh, and the things that matter so little to me. <laughs> I think it's it's in part because as I get older, uh, I try to focus on things that really really impact my life. I'm not sure this does, and and yet everybody seems to be talking about it. It is the the curious case. Of Carly Russell. Um, and uh, you may know more about this than I do. So why don't, why don't you tell me why everybody's talking about this?
1: Well, everybody's talking about this because Carly Russell uh, appeared to fake her disappearance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, folks have gotten, you know, riled up and people have tapped in um, to this case of this young woman, this 25 year old woman uh, who was reported missing. Uh, and you know, we can't underscore enough the epidemic of black women across the country that um, oftentimes uh, go missing uh, and without, you know law enforcement's full force. Uh, more often than not, particularly compared to their white counterparts. And so I think in that context, I think that's part of the reason why so many people uh, have been sort of tapping into this story. But it it is increasingly seeming as if uh, she faked it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And not only is that really uh, disappointing, uh, but it pulls focus from the black women and girls across the country uh, that go missing in large numbers all the time. You know, Tavis, uh, when I anchored uh, Foxhole's Black Report, uh, we began to do a recurring uh, segment around uh, the work of the Black and Missing Foundation. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a foundation that was set up uh, to advance policy change and to really sort of raise the profile of black women and girls who are missing across the country. So often they're categorized as runaways mm-hmm. uh, and not as missing. And, and as you know, those initial days after anybody is reported missing are critical in terms of marshalling resources in uh, an effort to find them uh, in right state of, of, of mind and health.
0: Mm. Um, so here's what we know. Um, on July 13th, last Thursday, and he I gave you some of this. I'm going to give you a bit more detail. Um, Carly Russell vanished after calling 911 and telling a dispatcher that she stopped along I 459 in Alabama on her way home for work after seeing a toddler walking by himself in a diaper along the, uh, the highway. When police arrived on the scene, they found the 25 year old's uh, car still running with her belongings inside, but she was nowhere to be found. A statewide search yielded no results for more than 48 hours. Then on Saturday night, so again, this happens last Thursday. On Saturday, she reappears back at her parents' house in Hoover, Alabama, uh, and she tells her family that she was kidnapped at a news conference. Uh, Police Chief Nick Durses said the investigation continues, but authorities do not believe There is a threat to the community, which is, uh, by the way, just south of Birmingham. The chief told reporters no one had reported a missing child and investigators had found no evidence of one. They also revealed that when they found Carly Russell's phone, they discovered web searches that included, do you have to pay for an Amber Alert and how to take money from a register without being caught? The police chief said searches for bus tickets from Birmingham to Nashville and for the movie Taken about an abduction we're also in the history on Russell's phone. So it's not just that um, um, this seems to have been uh, faked. Um, the more you dig into this, the more you realize that she was she was planning and plotting this. Um, and, and I hear your point. Um, I, don't, I don't really know how to read this, that someone would go through all of this for the sake of faking an abduction. To yeah. your point, knowing that there are literally uh, black women who really are missing and that this could have absolutely no good outcome uh, for those uh, sisters who have gone missing for months and years in some cases who have yet to be found.
1: That's right. I mean, you know, and it also underscores – uh, perhaps the mental health crisis that exists mm-hmm. in our communities. You know, who would do such a thing? Um, you know, she's certainly not uh, the only one. Uh, but uh, we have been hearing stories like this increasingly. You know, of even some very high-profile uh, individuals. You know, who you know have faked uh, abductions, who have mm-hmm. faked hate crimes. Uh, uh, I'm thinking of you know the Justice Smollett situation mm-hmm. in Chicago, right? Um, and and so you know it's important that that folks get the support that they need uh why would somebody do such a thing uh i'm 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 unclear why uh but i am clear that this really is an issue for black women and girls across the country and that's part of my disappointment tavis you know uh i mean do you have to do all this you have to orchestrate all this for some kind of attention yeah know, and if so you know
0: what's that about well she's 25 let's just you want to go there Let's go there. You want to go there? Um, She's 25, and she's a part of a generation where attention matters. Um, It's as simple as as likes when you post. I mean, think of all the kids who who, uh, who get uh, depressed and despondent because they aren't getting likes on their post. Kids who get bullied online and end up. Oftentimes, committing suicide because that kind of peer pressure matters to them. So the fact that at the age of 25 she was desperate for that kind of attention, on the one hand, doesn't so much uh, surprise me. What does surprise me to your invocation of uh, Jesse Smollett into this uh, conversation, or as uh, Dave Chappelle called him, Juicy Smollett. <laughs> that was funny uh, when when Chappelle went there. Uh, the, the case wasn't funny, but Chappelle's framing of it was funny. At 25 she had to be fully aware of that Jesse Smollett case mm-hmm. so if you're aware of that why do you think that you can get away with what he didn't get away with
1: well, you know, she, you know, she didn't Google Jesse Smollett. Case I guess in Chicago. not. And so apparently so maybe apparently not. That, maybe she knew at least that much, <laughs> but you know, uh, you know, this this is a disturbing situation. I remember watching the interview that that her parents did uh, with a reporter down in Alabama, and there was something about that interview that just was misfiring with me. There was yeah. something about the the uh, tone of. Her mom and the stoicism mm-hmm. uh, of her father that made me feel like maybe there was more that they knew uh, that they weren't sharing, uh, and and so uh, you know it's it's a shame because we saw in this case. Uh, the law enforcement in Alabama actually seemed to marshal resources pretty quickly mm-hmm. and took this this case pretty seriously. And so mm-hmm. I think a lot of folks would think of all places, you know, I'm not sure if if you'd put Alabama near the top of your list of folks that would be marshalling uh, resources uh, as quickly as possible to, to find, you know, this black woman uh, who was reported missing. Uh, uh, and so, you know, shout out. You know, credit where credit's due. Shout out to the law enforcement in Alabama for taking this seriously, and I hope, Tavis, that not just in Alabama but in places across the country, uh, that law enforcement doesn't a uh, second doesn't give a second thought uh, when there are cases of black women and girls that are reported missing, in light of this case.
0: Yeah, um, two two other things in that regard. One, uh, um, what's really troubling about this for me, beyond what, we, what we've already discussed is that this 25 year old Carly Russell apparently gave no thought to uh, the police resources, the taxpayer money that would be spent uh, trying to uh, follow up on this fake abduction. And uh, people don't process that uh, in the beginning. And clearly she didn't process the fact that somebody could go through her phone. You raised the issue earlier of mental health. I mean, that, that, is a serious issue here because, I mean, there's there's no way you could be, you know, dumb enough, stupid enough to think that they weren't at some point going to go through your phone. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just 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 not processing all of this. Um, it speaks to me. It, 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 said, it suggests to me that there's not just a level of mental health here, but a level of desperation mm-hmm. um, that is is it's it's tragic to sort of wrap your brain around. The other thing that I thought about when I first heard this story, again, I had not been tracking or, or following this. And, you know, I've got producers around me saying everybody's talking about this and maybe we ought to chime in on it for a few minutes. I'm like, OK, what's the story? And so they kind of downloaded me on it. And so here we are talking about it for a few minutes at the start of this uh, at the start of this hour. But when, when my producers were telling me about it, the first thing I thought about and I don't know that I feel good or bad about confessing this. And I'm going to check your temperature when I tell you what I was thinking. And you, I'm looking at you to see if you can guess what I was thinking when I first heard about this story. You can't figure it out. You can't guess. Uh uh-uh. First thing that came to mind when I heard this story was Tawana Brawley. Oh, Really? Now, for many people, the jury is still out on whether all those years ago, Tawana Brawley did, in fact, fake mm-hmm. uh, this abduction or whether or not it really happened. To this day, the Reverend Al Sharpton still maintains that it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does not want to acknowledge that he was bamboozled, you know, run amok, led astray. Um, but my mind went back to that moment because it was, I mean, that was, that is the most high profile case mm-hmm. of somebody allegedly faking their abduction that I can think of. Um and Tawana Brawley didn't come to your mind when you heard about this story? No,
1: no. Well, you know who came to my mind was
0: Jesse. Jesse Smollett. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, And you're right. He's the most high profile of, you know, yeah. actor, male, yeah. but female. Yeah. Tawana right. Brawley yeah. came to mind for me. Which leads, which leads me to ask, since we're going there, let's just go there. Yeah. Let's just go all the way there. <laughs> what do you make of the fact, um, just connecting dots here, what do you make of the fact that Al Sharpton has seemed to move past that? to finally sort of put that in his rear view for, for so long in New York, they called him Al charlatan, not Al Sharpton, Al charlatan. Mm -hmm. Um, and even if you don't believe Tawana Brawley, that was something that Al Sharpton essentially got pulled into, Mm -hmm. you know, they came to him to be the spokesperson, the advocate for this young girl, Tawana Brawley. So I've always sort of felt for Al in the sense he got pulled into it, but, Al being Al, he went so hard on this. Mm-hmm. And even as the police and the investigators kept saying, "Ah, not so much here, he kept his foot on the accelerator. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating uh, for me um, to see how he has been able to sort of rebound from that mm-hmm. with Jesse Jackson uh, aging. And now with Parkinson's, it's been that way for quite some time. And, of course, Jesse, that self-inflicted wound, making that comment about Barack Obama, mm-hmm. I want to just cut his blank off. Mm-hmm. Um, the Obama administration wanted nothing to do with Jesse for those eight years mm-hmm. and did not have anything to do with him. So that pushes Al to the forefront. Mm-hmm. So Al Sharpton, if I can put this in air quotes, and this is air quotes, ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen, Al Sharpton becomes sort of the you know, titular head. Of black leadership mm-hmm. he's the one whose face and name we see all the time he's the one out front he's the one at the white house all the time during the obama era and for a long time people would not let him forget about this tawana brawley case mm-hmm. since we're talking about carly russell they wouldn't let al forget about that and yet in spite of all of that he has sort of moved past that um uh, you know is seen in the way that he's seen been on the cover of time magazine and newsweek and has written books and has a TV show, as you well know now, Mm -hmm. for some years on MSNBC. Mm -hmm. What do you make of the sort of reinvention, if you will, lost a lot of weight? Mm -hmm. What do you make of the reinvention of Al Sharpton and the way he was able to move past that fakery, if you will, in the Tawana Broder case?
1: Well, I think in summation, I think uh, uh, of something that— one of the ancestors, my angel, used to say, when you know better, do better, mm-hmm. right? And I think the Al Sharpton of today knows a whole lot better yeah. uh, than the Al Sharpton, you know, when he was much younger. And I think for folks that are on the front lines of fighting for change, mm-hmm. on the front lines of fighting for justice, when you are surrounded by, you know, overwhelmed sometimes by the sea of injustice that you see inflicted upon your people. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes there there's a knee-jerk reaction, mm. you know, when we learn about these stories, when we read about these stories, you know, where we think, oh, here's another case, here's mm. another case. I mean, think about it, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, police-involved uh, misconduct, right? You know, how many stories do we report on day over day, week over week, you know, where we see another black man, you know, that suffers at the hands of, of a police officer. And, you know, we're told, well, wait a minute, let the facts come in, you know, don't prejudge it. You know, and oftentimes we reach the same conclusion, Conclusion, but not all the time, mm-hmm. but not all the time. And I think this is this is a case where I think uh, there are some that had a knee-jerk reaction uh, and have discovered based on the facts that we know today uh, that that, that uh, may not be true, that conclusion that we drew, that connection, that correlation that we drew uh, may not have been correct. I think uh, the same may may have been true with the Tawana Brawley case. Uh, uh, but, you know, we must continue to fight, you know, even though this case in Alabama today appears to be uh, set up uh, by, uh, you know, the alleged uh, victim, uh, you know, it, 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 it shouldn't stop us from being vigilant and for fighting for justice for black women and girls who, again, you know, when they're missing, Mm -hmm. when it comes to Amber Alerts, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't get Amber Amber Alerts at the same rate as white women. When it comes to marshalling the resources of law enforcement, you know, we don't see that happening at the same rate for black women, right? And so, you know, it's important that we learn from these teachable moments, Mm -hmm. uh, but we don't allow these teachable moments to draw us in a state of paralysis. And I think that's a part of the transformation that we've seen over the years of Al Sharpton. Mm-hmm. You, know, uh, you know, he has uh, become, you know, uh, wiser uh, in his older years. Uh, to the point where he's been able to counsel you know some of the young leaders of the black lives matter movement and and other movements for racial justice you know not as you know do as i say but hey you know learn from you know s- some of the mistakes that i've made and some of the the growth opportunities i've encountered
0: yeah what what does it say to you um just watching my clock here we got a few minutes before we uh, have to move forward here um what does it say to you uh, or how would you respond to people who Will say, and I've seen some online who have said, once I was made aware of the story, I, I you know, dug a little deeper, of course, uh, in preparation for our conversation today. And um, I, I find that there are people who say that, that this just underscores the victimization mindset that black folk have. That the minute they hear a story like this, they just automatically go in. And only because the story started to unravel so quickly, (laughs) Al Sharpton may not have have had time to get to Alabama because the story started to unravel so quickly. But if this story hadn't unraveled so quickly, again, maybe given what happened to him with the Toronto Brawley case, he might not have moved so swiftly. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Um, But at some point, um, you know, who knows? Al may have been in Alabama for all we know. But how do you respond to folk who say that the fact that black folk were so quick and are so quick to believe these stories when they happen, um, although indeed they do happen, suggests some sort of victimization mindset that uh, that is pervasive in our community.
1: I would flip it. I would flip it. I don't think we, we uh, have any more of a victimization mindset than any other uh, community. I think, if anything, we have a survivor mm-hmm. mindset. Uh, we have a mindset of overcoming. We have a mindset that's grounded in resilience. You know, we know... From the time that we're little kids, that black folks have to work twice as hard for half as much, mm-hmm. shouldn't be that way, you know. But that is too often the case, and not only is it the case when we're seeking opportunity, but it's also the case that when we're seeking help, when we're seeking help from law enforcement. You know, you know, we there are there are hurdles that we have to to jump in order to be believed, you know, in in order you know to have our humanity. Uh, viewed in the same way, you know, as our white counterparts and others. And so, you know, I think there are some people that will seize upon this. Uh, uh, I hope all of us can learn from this. Uh, But make no mistake about it, Tavis. You know, the uh, challenges that we see in this country uh, around marshalling resources, particularly for black women and girls who go missing, uh, that is nothing uh, to snuff at. This is a significant challenge in our country, uh, and and we shouldn't allow this case in Alabama to pull focus uh, from the black women and girls that are missing, yeah. you know, uh, that right now don't enjoy uh, the full force uh, of law enforcement and bringing them home safe and sound.
0: Yeah, she went as far, uh, uh, now talking about Carly Russell again, went as far as to tell investigators that uh, She'd been forced into a car and then an 18 wheeler before she escaped only to be abducted and put in a car again. um, Told them she was held in a house, put in another car before she escaped and ran home through the woods. Uh, When they found her on Saturday night, she had a small injury on her lip, a tear in her shirt and $107 in cash in her sock. Um, So this was, um, you know, it's a sad in, in, in many ways, but, uh, Maybe she ought to be a screenwriter, cause uh, to, to to make up stuff like that. Of course, right now she wouldn't get paid. Yeah, not right now. Right, not right now. Not during the strike. Yeah, not during the strike. Uh, but it uh, it's sad, uh, uh, and um, would be laughable if it weren't so serious. And mm-hmm. it is so serious. Uh, to the point that uh alai corte has made a, a number of times in this conversation. Anyway, um, there you have it, uh, what we know today about this uh, curious case of one, of one uh, Carly Russell. Uh, there's a great deal more to talk about with Dr. alai when we come forward. All eyes right now on Washington, uh, specifically a grand jury in Washington amid signs of this uh, third Trump indictment. It's just a matter of time. Uh, We are told before this indictment drops, and so we will talk about that when we come forward. And interestingly, um, we are told that they are looking to use an old um, civil rights statute um, to indict President Trump, an old civil rights statute. What's that about? We will unpack that. Uh, A great deal more to talk about when we come forward. You are listening to The Tavis Smiley Show. Stay with us. This is Tavis Smiley. I am your host, Tavis Smiley. Our guest in this hour is Dr. Niquotolai-Corte, who is the Chief Political Affairs Analyst and host of A More Perfect Union for KBLA Talk 1580 here in Los Angeles. Uh, Pleased to be um, joined by him in this hour as we talk politics. Uh, just spend some time talking about this uh, curious case of uh, Carly Russell. You, you made one comment to me <laughs> during the break uh, about uh, what you saw when you watched her parents. Um we, we share that again, because I, I want to probe that just for a quick second here.
1: Well, so so I shared that as I was watching her parents, I thought uh, somebody's not leveling with the reporter. Mm-hmm. The mom was doing most of the talking. The dad appeared to be very stoic and very controlled. Um, and it felt like they weren't saying something, right? And so, look, you know, I don't want, you know, you know, talk about anything that may not be there, but I'm just saying my gut instinct. As a journalist said, mm, there's more there. There's something that they're not saying.
0: What what, what happens if we find out that her parents were in on this? I'm just speculating. I know nothing about this case.
1: I mean, I think it makes it makes uh, matters worse. It makes matter matters worse, and I think it, it may open them up uh, to criminal prosecution. Oh, indeed, indeed. It may o- open them up to civil suits. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, uh, it 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 costs money to marshal the resources of law enforcement and emergency response and so in a state like alabama might they pass those costs on to this family um, if if not for anything to make an example uh, so that other people don't do it yeah
0: i hope i hope we don't find that out yeah the fact that she was involved in it is bad enough i hope that we don't find out their parents were involved. I digress and we move forward. All eyes on on, on Washington and this grand jury um, amid signs that this third Trump indictment is imminent. You quote, like, what do you make of this? <laughs> this is <laughs> the third indictment of Donald Trump. And, and, and we're still not done yet. There'll, there'll be maybe one or two more. But here we are now up to indictment number three. And his poll numbers are not slipping at all.
1: I mean, I think we really should say third and
0: counting. Yes, exactly.
1: I mean, my goodness, he is he is we need to call the Guinness
0: Book uh, because I don't think a former president... <laughs> has any former has, president of any country been indicted three any times. Any yeah, Any country, yeah. Right,
1: yes. Federal prosecutors investigating Donald Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election results have evidence to charge the former president with three crimes, including Section 241 of the U.S. legal code that makes it unlawful to conspire to violate civil rights. This is according to people that are uh, familiar with the matter. Mm-hmm. The target letter to to trump identified a previously unconsidered third charge that is section 241 of title 18 of the u.s code which makes it unlawful to conspire to threaten or intimidate a person in the free exercise of any right or privilege under the constitution or laws of the united states now you might be wondering well where did this come from the statute enacted to protect the civil rights of black voters targeted by white supremacy groups after the u.s civil war is unusual because it is typically used by prosecutors and law enforcement, misconduct, and hate crimes prosecutions, though its use has expanded in recent years. And so what the potential charge means for Trump, it's unclear, uh, but uh, it is uh, another example that prosecutors, you know, are looking at this these set of circumstances through a three-dimensional lens. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what happened on January 6th, Uh, was an assault on our democracy full stop. And so you're seeing law enforcement uh, really trying to put the full weight of the laws in place to hold the former president accountable. And so uh, this is the the potential third indictment and counting. Um, And just think about this for a second, Tavis. Mm -hmm. The fact that uh, we're already at the at almost the third indictment. Right. The first one wasn't enough. The second one wasn't enough. You know, very similarly, uh, you know, the uh, uh, the first impeachment wasn't enough. And then there was a second impeachment. And so at some point we've got to ask ourselves, you know, if we're a nation of laws and if we truly believe that no one, not even a former president, is above the law, then why has it taken so long? Why has it taken so long for us uh, to make that declaration to one another and to make that declaration to democracies around the world? You know, Tavis, when I was in uh, Zambia uh, in the spring uh, on assignment with Vice President Harris, who was on an Africa tour, the first Trump indictment came down when we were in Zambia. And uh, uh, one of my colleagues from the Washington Journal, from the Washington uh, p- uh, post uh, uh, Annie Lenski, I'm sorry, the, the the Wall Street Journal Annie Lenski from the Wall Street Journal, mm-hmm. she asked uh, Vice President Harris and uh, the President of Zambia to comment on this. And the President of Zambia, uh, who was also the focus and the victim of a a trumped up pun intended uh, political uh, prosecution who was put in jail, uh, responded to that question. You know what he said? Mm. He said, let's take the person, referring to Donald Trump, let's take the person out of it, right? This is about the rule of law. Uh, And America better pay attention to how democracies younger than the United States around the world are paying attention to whether or not not are we truly a nation that respects the rule of law, where no one is above the law, you know, uh, or not. And, and, And if... We allow Donald Trump to just, you know, go about his business, and we say, "Well, you know, water under the bridge." What signal does that send yeah. to democracies around the world?
0: I was saying to somebody last night, um, and I'm, I'm sort of echoing the point you made a moment ago, that it's taken all of this, and we still ain't got Donald Trump yet. All of this, and he's still leading in the polls. All of this, he is still the presumptive nominee. But if you're a Negro, if you're Jamal or Letitia and you get caught with a dime bag <laughs> or if you're Philando Castile and your taillight is out or if you're brother, sister X and your license plate is expired, you don't just get held accountable. You don't just get pulled over. You may end up dead as a result of that. Um, and so this 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 comparison, this contrast between how little it takes and oftentimes, as we know, Brothers are getting out of prison for, for 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 being wrongfully incarcerated. But think about how little it takes to hem up a black man mm. or a black woman and how much it's taken to get Donald Trump, who we still don't have as yet. Just just think about that frame for a second. The second thing I thought about when you were talking is a conversation we had uh, on this program some weeks ago about these slavery era laws that judges are using today to 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 justify rulings and decisions that aren't really in our best interest, mm-hmm. but they're going all the way back to slavery era laws that are still on the books to hem us up in 2023, because mm-hmm. those laws have not been taken off the books. And then you think about, thirdly, the irony. And I want to ask you, what is the irony that Donald Trump, given all that he has done, would get jacked up? over a civil rights era law. If that ain't irony, I mean, you couldn't write this stuff. That's like Shakespearean, right? That <laughs> Donald right. Trump would get hemmed up over a civil rights era law. like did that irony did the, did the irony hit you because it certainly hit me.
1: I mean, absolutely, but it's also no surprise, you know, because you know so many folks in the Republican Party, you know, uh, aren't there on the front lines defending civil rights. Yeah, you know, they're not about carving out uh, any carve outs to the filibuster. Uh, to protect and preserve, dare I say, advance uh, our civil rights. I mean, you know, the fact that, you know, this statute, again, that was enacted to protect the civil rights of black voters that were targeted by white supremacy groups after the U.S. Civil War, I I feel almost as if prosecutors are telegraphing not just to uh, uh, Donald Trump, uh, but they're telegraphing to we the people, we the people, look where we're at. Mm Mm-hmm. Sit with this moment. Look where we're at. You know, they have found a law on the books that dates back to the Civil War era. And so for people that want to shrug their shoulders and act like what's happening is normal Mm -hmm. for the people that want to act like, you know, nothing to see here. uh, Just the charges alone, uh, I think, underscore the gravity of the moment we find ourselves in.
0: And uh, even the rare Rare Trump rivals who have openly criticized the ex-president are holding their tongue on this. When we come forward, I want to talk uh, to Dr. D. Cordula-Cortez about how he reads that, that even at indictment number three, um, Ron DeSantis, Chris Christie, and others running against him, uh, Nikki Haley running against him for the nomination, uh, are still uh, pretty quiet, pretty tight-lipped uh, about this. We'll, we'll, we'll get his, his, his take on that. Uh, and uh, a great deal want to talk about, it, including... Um, these third-party candidates. Uh, yesterday on this program, Marian Williamson was in studio. Uh, Cornel West was here just a week or so ago. I want to get uh, Dr. Niecortelai Cortez's take on what these uh, uh, these uh, opponents of the president running for the Democratic nomination mean uh, for his reelection campaign. Cornel West again, Green Party candidate, third-party. What that means, um, but it's uh, it's it's rare that a sitting president is met with this much headwind before he gets uh, uh, renominated. Uh, we'll talk about that in a great deal more when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. The, no, like no, corte, the no. silence of these persons running against Donald Trump for the GOP nomination is profound.
1: It is. It's very profound. I mean, you would think that... Uh the former president had a file on each and every one of them. You know, Maybe he does. Keeping he, them he, he, in he, line. Did, he
0: did take documents. He was the president. Well,
1: you know, and, and Herbert Hoover was about that life that wasn't that long ago. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's quite possible. But, you know, it's interesting— that you're not seeing really a contest of ideas around how to move the country forward, right? And I think it's important that folks are attentive, you know, to how the Republican Party is really peddling in in grievance politics. I think the only the only candidate that really seems to be injecting a great deal of optimism into their campaign thus far is uh, Senator Tim Scott. Uh, And, uh, you know, and it seems as if uh, Republicans may be rewarding uh, that sort of optimism uh, with their dollars. He is only second, as you mentioned, only second to Donald Trump. Uh, in terms of fundraising reporting uh, this last quarter, uh, off by about a million dollars,
0: right? And so Trump Trump, Trump has 22 on hand and Tim Scott has 21 on hand, which I predicted. um, I hate to say I'm right, but I was right. I, (laughs) I told everybody, don't sleep on Tim Scott, at least early on, because these Republicans will support him, if for no other reason, early on to point out that they are not racist. They can support a black man. Now, I suspect he'll fade later on. But let me just let me just probe that for a second. What happens if I'm wrong about the latter? What if he doesn't fade later on? What if Tim Scott ends up being picked by Donald Trump as his running mate? Then you'd have something you'd never had. We've never seen this country before. Two black folk running against each other on the ticket as vice president. I don't know that Tim Scott would even accept that, but if he did, what would that mean?
1: I, I think that could be one of the best things that could happen uh, to the former president in his seeking uh, re, uh, seeking a second term uh, in office. Uh, you know, one I, of the best I, things. I think it's one of the best things that could happen for in- Biden. No, no, for for Donald Trump. For Donald Trump, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I think it's one of the best things that could okay. happen for Donald Trump. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Because, you know, it allows him to really turn the page. It allows him to sort of refresh his brand, if you will, among Republicans. I think mm-hmm. Democrats, you know, are are are, are unmoved mm-hmm. uh, by by any of this. But I think for Republicans, you know, it, it gives them a reason to be hopeful that maybe, you know, uh, another term with Donald Trump could be different. You know, uh, and also keep in mind that, Tim Scott's personal story, his personal narrative is quite compelling.
0: Hold that thought. We'll talk about his personal narrative when we come forward. And I also uh, want to ask uh, the the penultimate question in my mind right now, which is whether or not if Tim Scott ends up being Donald Trump's running mate, he's doing better than anybody right now, um, whether or not that might siphon off black votes. Are we back to that conversation about black men uh, voting for the other? Uh, you're listening to Tavis Smiley. You, you were talking about the impressive nature of Tim Scott's personal narrative.
1: He has an incredible personal narrative. You can't take that away from him. Mm-hmm. Um, now, his voting record is still awfully Trumpy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Uh, uh, you know, he is a Republican and so he has a certain worldview. But I think there are a number of folks that will give him a second look because of his personal narrative. I think uh, there are a number of, of black voters uh, that may give him the benefit of the de- of the doubt, deserved or undeserved. And so we got to keep our eye on that. Uh, and, you know, I think adding Tim Scott uh, to the ticket, you know, uh, may be uh, the thing that that causes people to Give Donald Trump a second look in the Republican Party. I think Democrats are under no illusion in terms of, you know, what's going on uh, and, you know, uh, how the president mm-hmm. uh, may use if he's seeking to use Tim Scott to uh, appear less racist or not racist mm-hmm. uh, to large swaths uh, of the country.
0: You, 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 you recall last time this uh, conversation that we had that just wouldn't go away about uh, black men, some of them. Uh, too many of them voting for Donald Trump. That's when he didn't have a black man on the ticket with him. Mm-hmm. So Donald Trump picks Tim Scott. Just making this up. Donald Trump picked, uh, picks Tim Scott. To your point, it refreshes um, his his brand uh, inside the Republican Party. Tim Scott, a lot more positive. Donald Trump, all negative. But still, uh, at the moment, the presumptive nominee. Does Tim Scott's presence on the ticket siphon off a greater Number of black votes.
1: It's possible, and I think it depends on what states we're talking about. And mm-hmm. so
0: he is from South Carolina.
1: It, and so in a South Carolina, in a Georgia, remember, you know, remember
0: Killer Mike in Georgia last year, and all that in twenty twenty, all that conversation. Right, yeah.
1: right. I mean, it it may it may not give him you know uh you know a blanket effect across the country, but I think in some states it may help enough. I mean, remember there were what a little over eleven thousand votes, according to mm-hmm. uh, the former president, who mm-hmm. was trying to. uh Get the uh, Georgia uh, election folks to to fudge the numbers. There were you know less than twelve thousand votes that made the difference between you know Joe Biden and uh, winning uh, Georgia and Donald Trump losing the state of Georgia. And so uh, not just Georgia but South Carolina, which is going to be an important state. uh, You know that could be uh, uh, a uh, the, the margin of victory. Yeah. Right. Uh, and and so, you know, we've got to be attentive to that.
0: And we thought we had a show when Raphael Warnock was running against uh, Herschel Walker. We thought that was a show. Right? Can you imagine <laughs> Kamala Harris
1: running against Tim Scott
0: and, and there'd be a vice president of the debate? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, you, I mean, talk about, his, talk about history, two black folk debating each other. For vice president, I mean, how often do we say
1: that black folks are not a monolith? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, well we, we're we going to see that. Yeah. Or we could potentially see that on TV. And let me just add, these are two, two folks that when they were both in the U.S. Senate, they both worked on the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Now, mm-hmm. you know that that bill still continues to languish mm-hmm. uh, in the United States Senate. But think about what conversation yeah. that might reignite having The two of them on a debate stage uh, with that, among so many other issues important to black folks, front and center.
0: This is not hyperbole. As we mentioned earlier, Tim Scott is second uh, right now in fundraising on the GOP side. Um, The one gaining traction, positive message. He could be uh, the running mate of Donald Trump, uh, the presumptive Republican nominee. Never mind uh, indictment number three on the way. Uh, Nicole LaCorte, thank you for your time. Good to have you on, sir. Good to be here. Always. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward.